You can turn in your Bible. Hey, pastor. Hola, hola, hola Juan, hola Juan. Sí, sí, sí. K R S. Soy de Plymouth, Carolina del Norte. Taco Bell burrito. Amen. Gloria a Dios. Sí, bologna el fulano. You get bologna and el fulano. Como se como se dice food lion. Food line? Food, okay. Sí. Sí. No, pero ¿qué vas a comer después de servicio? Sí. Hablo inglés. Sí. No. No? No Spanish? Sí, Spanish. ¿Poquito? Mucho Spanish. ¿Poquito? No, 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 mucho. Mi amor. Amén. Did I insult you? Was that bad? Okay. It's kind of weird. That was kind of weird? What, what did I say? I said, uh, my love. <laughs> I'm sorry. Maybe you'd say, where in the world is all this coming from? I spent the last week in El Salvador, and what you just encountered was exactly how I spent my week in El Salvador. <laughs> Thank you, Juan. Give Juan a big hand. <laughs> When I, I, I left Monday and flew to El Salvador, and we did some church planter training uh, for some pastors in El Salvador, and I flew back Wednesday. It was a very short trip. But, but here's what I learned. I learned a very powerful truth about relationships, and, and I'll explain why we just did that. And let me just go ahead and give you the powerful truth. Here it is. No relationship in your life will ever rise above our level of communication. What you just saw was two people trying to establish some relationship together, but it wasn't going anywhere because we weren't on the same page. We weren't communicating very well. Obviously, his English is not as good as my Spanish. And we, we, were, not, we, we were not communicating very well. And this truth really came to light. Um, I, I really struggled when I was in El Salvador. We had a translator that was with us, and we kind of gave him an evening off to be with his family. And so we decided to go to this restaurant all alone. Thankfully, the menu had a lot of pictures. And unfortunately, there was, there was, we was trying to get a sandwich, and it, and it said con papalinas, all right? Well, I know what a papa frita is. That's a French fry. I know what that is. I have one phrase that I can speak in Spanish, queso derretido, papa fritas, coca-cola light, con yellow. And that, that is a grilled cheese sandwich with French fries and a Diet Coke with ice. That's, I know that. I can order food, but that's all I can do. But this papalinas, I didn't know what that meant. And so I'm struggling, and I'm, I'm asking the waitress, papalinas, papalinas. So she, she didn't, couldn't tell me what it was. And so I have Google Translator on my phone. Anybody seen this app? Really cool. You can hold the app over top of the menu, and whatever is in Spanish, you will see it on your phone in English. Kind of. Sort of. And, and so what I saw when I looked at Papalina's was paper sheets. And I thought, well, that's probably not an accurate translation. So we're going to get our sandwich with paper sheets. And I don't even have a clue what that is. Potato chips, paper sheets. So now that is the English translation for Papalina's is, you get it later. But paper sheets. And so I was doing this all week. It was so frustrating. 
And there was this pastor who came up to me. His name was Pastor Danny. And someone introduced him to me. And when he came up to me, you could just see the look on his face. This dude wanted to be my friend. And the smile on his face, I wanted to be his friend. And because I had been struggling to speak this language, Pastor Danny comes up and immediately says, Pastor Anthony, I'm so glad that you were here. And I thought oh, this guy knows English. And so I said, oh, pastor, I'm so glad to meet you. Man, I can't wait to get to know you more. How long have you been a pastor? And he just stands back like I did with Juan and went, "Ah, I don't know very much English. That was it. That was as far as our relationship could go. He desired to have a friendship. I desired to have a friendship. But our friendship, our relationship in that moment, I realized could only go as deep as our level of communication. If we don't know how to communicate to one another, our relationships will always suffer. And your relationships are no different. The thing is, you may even speak the same language, but the way you communicate keeps you from taking your relationships to a whole nother level. Craig and I went to El Salvador, or actually Ecuador, several years ago, and I learned this phrase, como se dice. Como se dice just means, how do you say? And so we wore that phrase out with our translator. Como se dice dump truck. Como se dice sprite. And he would go, right. You know, and so we're like, ah, oh, I didn't know that. And, and so just over and over we would say that. But it means, how do you say, and then you finish the sentence. I guess it would be an incomplete sentence just to say, como se dice. But that word, that phrase just kept coming back to my mind. When you speak, when you, when you communicate to people into your life, how do you do that? What do you say? And the reason that's an important question is because the words that we use are powerful in building healthy and lasting relationships. And I want you to see that every word, every phrase, every time you speak, whatever comes out of your mouth, those words are like seeds, and those seeds will produce a harvest in your life. Now, I want you to think about this, and this will apply to any relationship that you have. The words that you speak are seeds, and those seeds will reap some kind of harvest. The question is, what kind of seed are you sowing? The question is, what kind of harvest will you see in that relationship? Now let's look to the scripture. Proverbs chapter 18, verses 20 through 21. And and we're going to read a few different passages of scripture, but I want to read this first scripture from the message paraphrase, because I just love the way it, it words it. It's a beautiful translation here. But it says, words satisfy the mind as much as fruit does the stomach. It says, good talk is as gratifying as a good harvest. So you can have this good harvest because of words that come out of your mouth. But verse 21 says this, words kill. Think about that. Your words can kill. I can build you up with a sentence. Do you realize that? I can build you up with a sentence, but I can also tear you down with words that come out of my mouth. My dad used to say to me all the time, it takes you years to build a reputation, but it'll take you seconds to tear it down. He used to tell me that all the time. It takes you years to build a reputation. It can take you seconds to tear it down. But I kind of kept thinking about that this week, and and so I changed that phrase a little bit to say, it takes you years to build healthy relationships. It takes you years to build trust. It takes you years to build that healthy relationship that you have in your life, and you could literally 
destroy it with one sentence. Think about how powerful your words are. One sentence can change years of trust and health in a relationship. And so you get the choice. I love James, the book of James. It's such a powerful book. And, and, and if, you, if you need to start a Bible study and you don't know where to start, I just encourage you to go to the book of James. There's such practical application for so many different areas of your life. But James chapter 3, verse 2 says this. Indeed, we all make many mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. Verse 3, James says, We could make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth, and a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. And in verse 5, he says, In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. Some of us, we've learned to control a lot of things, but we have failed to learn to control the words that come out of our mouth. If we could just get our words back, if we could just learn to know when to, as I've said a lot lately, just shut up and listen. We just want to talk. We just want people to know our opinion, and we want them to know our point of view, and we want them to know where I'm coming from. I want to be able to change their minds. If I could just learn to shut up and listen, and I would be so much better off in so many other situations. My friend and favorite artist, Josh Wilson, who's come to North Park many times, I think he must have read James chapter 3 when he wrote these words. This is a song. I love this song. He says, our tongues are like matches. Our ears are like trees. Our words are like sparks on dry summer leaves. It doesn't take much for flames to rise and turn us soul." into a forest fire. Isn't that powerful? Your words could be one spark that could ignite a forest fire in somebody's life. Think about how powerful your words really are. Now, I was thinking this week, there's a lot of different sins you could commit. And there's a pretty good list of sins out there that you could, you could commit. But do you realize that every sin that you commit in your life is a forgivable offense except one? Do you realize that? Scripture tells us that there is one sin that is not forgivable. And here's what we find in Matthew chapter 12, verse 31. Jesus says, so I tell you, every sin and blasphemy, is what he says, can be forgiven, except blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, which will never be forgiven. And there are a lot of people who grew up in church, that verse scares you, because the first thing you think about is, have I done that sometime? You know, like the first thing you think about is, Maybe I've done that. You know, have I done the one thing God can't forgive me of? Let me just put your mind to rest. If you're worried about if you've done it, I would say you haven't done it. You don't need to worry about that. If you're worried about that, you haven't done it. But verse 32 says, Anyone who speaks against the Son of Man can never be forgiven. Can, can be forgiven. But anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven, either in this world or in the world to come. And so I think that's so crazy that there's so many sins that we could commit. There's so many things that we could do. But the one unforgivable sin that we could commit are words that we speak. Man, that's crazy to me. Matthew chapter 12, verse 37 says, The words you say will either acquit you or they'll condemn you. 
I'm just going to leave this right here. That was written way before social media was invented, but I think it applies there as well. I think the words that you speak from your fingertips and hit send, that you will be held just as accountable for those words as the words that come out of your mouth. And the thing about it is, some of us, we will post things that we would never say out loud. But we'll hit the send button. And I believe we kill our influence with people because of things that we post. So before we hit submit, here's what we've got to do. We've got to ask ourselves, what type of harvest is this seed going to reap? If every word is a seed, and that seed is going to reap a harvest in our life, then what type of harvest is this seed going to reap? Do you realize that we are the body of Christ? I believe that God has called us to unify the world that we live in, not divide. And those words that we speak or those words that we type and those words that we post, we've got to ask ourselves, is this going to reap a harvest that's going to divide or is this going to reap a harvest that's going to unify? And if it unifies, by all means, post it and I'll be the first to like it. But if it's going to divide and bring more division into an already divided culture, then maybe you just need to hit the delete button. And I know what we do. We get so frustrated, right? We just got to say something and we've got all this stuff we're carrying and we just got to get it off our chest and we'll just feel so much better. I can't tell you how many posts I see that start with, I just got to get this off my chest. Can I just tell you, Facebook is not a diary. Facebook is not a journal. And what you really need to do is get a journal and write some things down that you want to get off your chest. Pastor Ben sent me a, a, a blog that he had read a, a few weeks ago, and he said, hey, I want to post this. I got some stuff I got to get off my chest. Is it, a, I, can I tell the story? Okay. Uh, no, okay. And, and so I said, well, hey, thanks for sending it to me. Let, let me read it. And, and, and so I read it, and, and I, I kind of wrestled with it, and I, I sent him a message back, and I said, you know what, I think it's fine. I think it's a, I think it's a, great, a great post. I think it's a, it's a great blog. It's from a good source. I said, but here's what you need to know. You have to be prepared to engage in this conversation once you do this. If you just need to get it off your chest and you expect people to not engage back from both sides, then, then you're being naive here. If you're getting something off your chest, you've got to be prepared to engage in this conversation in a very public forum. And I'm not so sure that's exactly what you want to do. If you do, then go ahead and do that. And this is what he said to me. I thought it was very, very ironic. He said, you know what? I didn't even need to post it. I felt better just sending it to you. Like, I just needed to send it to somebody. I just needed to talk through this. I just needed to get it off my chest. And so I, I think one of the best things that we could ever do is just sit down from somebody and have a conversation in a private forum. One that's not going to divide, but one that unifies. I have a dear friend. She's a part of my family, and, and, and we, we love each other. She's such a great person friend in my life and and there's so many things that we agree on but there's a couple of things we don't and, and and we agree on far more than we'll ever disagree on but occasionally I'll get frustrated and I'll give her a call and I'll say hey we need to meet and have some coffee and talk about this occasionally she'll see something and she just gets frustrated and she'll call me and she'll say hey, I think it's time for one of our we call them change the world conversations you know and we'll sit down, and we're sitting on two different sides of an argument. And we look at each other and say, how on earth can you, like, what's, what, how would, you gotta just, you gotta help me see it from your side. 
And do you know why this works? You know why it doesn't cause more division in our relationship and what it actually does has brought us closer together as family and friends? Let me tell you, how, let me tell you why. Because when we come to the table, we don't come to the table to be heard. We come to listen. And the first time we ever did that, I sat down across from her and I said, listen, I'm going to put my phone right here on the table and I'm going to turn it on one side. And if I say anything in this conversation that causes you to look at our relationship different, I just want you to take that phone, I want you to turn it over, we'll immediately change the subject and talk about something else. And here's why. Because there is nothing we could talk about that's more important than my relationship with you. I don't care that you see this world the way I see it. What I care is that we have a deep, meaningful, healthy relationship, and I don't want any seed, I didn't say it this, but I don't want any seed that I could sow in this conversation that's going to reap more division in the world today. And so when we come to the table like that and we have conversations, even though they may be uncomfortable at times, when we realize that we are both coming to the table for a common goal, and that is to really just develop our relationship and see that grow, even though we're different on a lot of things, it's amazing at how beneficial that can really be. Because here's another vital truth. In every relationship, you will reap what you sow. Galatians chapter 6 verse 7 says, don't be misled. You can't mock God, the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. And we often miss this in our homes. And we miss it in our homes because we will speak to our spouse and our children in ways we would never speak to our bosses or coworkers. We'll speak to people in our homes in ways we wouldn't speak to a complete stranger we don't even know. Why in the world do we do that? I think we do that because we take those people for granted. We know they're just going to be there. We know if we spoke to our boss or our coworker that way, we'd lose our job. If we lost that, our temper that way to a customer that might come into our, our place of business, we, we'd lose our job, but we will lose our minds and we'll sow some very negative seed in our own homes. And if we think we're not going to reap that harvest in some way, we are so naive. And we say things like this. I've even said it as a dad. Well, I'm hard on them sometimes because i got to toughen them up. That may work with your high school varsity football coach. I don't know. But as parents, I don't think that's the most effective way. And I'm not saying that we don't have boundaries and they're not consequences. If we don't have that, we're not great parents. But I've never seen anyone built up with destructive words. Think about that for a second. Have you ever seen anyone built up with destructive words? Where did we ever get the idea that if we will hurt people, they will shape up? So how do we build healthy relationships? Ian, will you go run, grab that thing that's laying over there? Thanks. Let's give Ian a big hand. Watch how fast he is. Look, he's like lightning speed. I've, I've seen him faster. I have seen him faster at times, but thank you for that. Thanks. Now let's give him a hand. Anybody know what this is? It's what? It is a bulb planter. I, I read a thing. <laughs> a poco stick. I, I, I read a thing um, that if I wanted to plant um, tulips, that you have to do that in September or October. 
Springtime comes around, and everybody's tulips come out, and I think, oh, my wife loves tulips. I should plant tulips, but then it's too late because they've already come up, right? Somebody planted a seed a long time ago, and it reaped a beautiful harvest. And so you know what I did? Because I'm such a loving and caring husband. Here's what I did. I set a calendar reminder in April that I needed to plant some tulip bulbs in September for my wife. And so I went and I bought a tulip pogo stick planter thing. And I bought a hundred tulip bulbs. All together, this cost me about a hundred dollars. <laughs> By the time I bought everything I needed, you know, and, and maybe not a hundred, but it was like 60 bucks. And she didn't know about it. And so my goal was to plant a hundred tulips all in our yard. And then she would be so surprised around April. I was so excited about this. So I go in my yard, and the first thing I did is I tried to stick this, Jamie, in the ground, okay? Obviously, I live on a mountain and was unaware. I did not realize that I lived on a giant rock, okay? And so this thing goes in the ground about that far. Well, I had very specific instructions from Google that told me exactly how deep my tulips should be and what the soil should be like. They even had diagrams and pictures of the tool that I was supposed to rent to till up my ground so that I could get the ground the way it should to prepare my tools. But you know what I did? I didn't pay attention to any of those instructions, and I just forced this thing as far as I could in the ground. You can even see where the line is. That was as far as I got it in the ground. And so I put all my tulips, right? I like I buried like 100 tulips in our yard. April came around. Guess how many tulips I had? One. <laughs> I got one tulip. And my wife wasn't as surprised as I was. <laughs> I was like, that tulip cost me $100. <laughs> like, what? what in the world? I had the right seed. I even was kind of going through what I thought was the right motion. But there was no harvest that I expected. So what, what do we have to do to get the right harvest? Here's the first thing you got to do. You got you to prepare the ground. You got to prepare the ground. First Peter 3 and 8 says, Finally, all of you should be in one mind. Sympathize with one another. Love each other as brothers and sisters. Be tenderhearted and keep a humble attitude. What that means is we have to speak life into the people around us with our words. We have to prepare that ground. We have to prepare that relationship by spending time and investing the right things in that conversation. Then when you need to have a difficult conversation, it's a lot more, um, it's a lot easier to accept that difficult conversation because of trust that you've built over the months and years. Do you see that? If the only thing that people ever hear from you is negative or critical, their heart is going to become hard as the ground that I was trying to plant seed in but never saw harvest. If all you do is speak criticism and speak harsh words and you're negative, the only thing you're doing is making that heart even more difficult to plant good seed in. And that harvest that you want in that relationship, it's never going to grow. I mean, if, if, if the only conversations that I had with my kids were when they were in trouble or I thought they needed a good talking to or they needed a good speech or 
I can occasionally preach a sermon to my kids too. If the only time they hear from dad is when it's that type of conversation, every time I look at them and say, hey, why don't you come in and let's sit down and have a talk. What do you think is going to happen? Immediately they put the guard up because they all of a sudden assume they've done something wrong. But the more that I spend time with my kids and the more time that I spend with my family and the more conversations that I have and the more good seed that I plant in their life and the more that I prepare the ground, those moments where I need to say, hey, let's talk about this. It's not a weird thing because I've invested so much in their life that they can handle the nugget of truth that may be difficult to hear. But we have to prepare the soil. Here's the second thing we have to do. We have to plant the seed. We have to speak the truth. But we have to speak the truth in love. And that's why we say all the time that if we'll speak the truth in love, right time, right place, and right spirit, that there's nothing that we can't get through together. But here's the third thing that we've got to do, is we have to pray. We have to pray, and we have to trust the Lord with our relationships. Why? Because I am not the Lord of the harvest. He is. And when my kids were younger, there was a time I could get them to do whatever it was that I wanted them to do. When our kids are young, man, we can pull the power play, can't we? And we can force our kids to do whatever it is that we want to do. But the older that my children get, the more I realize my parenting has to change. Because if I always tell them what to do, and I always tell them which decision to make, when they finally leave my home, they're never going to be able to make those decisions on their own because I'm not giving them the space to be able to do that. And so what I have to do is I have to prepare the soil and I have to plant the seed and then I have to give my kids an opportunity to make some choices. And so I coach them and I try to give them as much information as I can, but ultimately it's their choices that they have to make. It's easier to pull the power play and just tell them what it is that you want them to do. It's a lot more difficult to coach your kids as they get older. But here's what I've learned, is I want to see a harvest in their life, but I can't force that harvest. I can only prepare the soil, I can only plant the seed, but the rest is up to God. He's the Lord of the harvest. And so whatever it is that I want to see happen in my kids' lives, I want to do everything I can to prepare the soil and plant the seed, but then I've got to call their name out in prayer, and I've got to seek the face of God for that harvest in their life. And if we think we're just going to throw some words around and we're going to pull this power play and all of a sudden we're going to see this incredible harvest in the lives of our kids, I think we're very naive. We've got to pray. The Bible says the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous avails much. There's nothing more powerful than the prayers of a mother and father who are seeking God's face for their children. And then here's the fourth thing we've got to do is we've just got to be consistent. We've got to be consistent. Healthy relationships are not built in a day. Healthy relationships are built daily. And the harvest, it may not come immediately. And so we have to continue to invest in that relationship. We have to continue to speak truth and love. We've got to continue to spend time in church together every single week. We've got to continue to put Christ first in our homes and in our hearts. And we've just got to keep doing the right things. And I love this passage of scripture, and I'll close with these words. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 3 says this. But these things I plan won't happen right away. These seeds that I sow, this harvest that I'm praying for, these things that I want to see happen, it's not going to happen overnight. 
slowly, steadily, surely. The time approaches when the vision will be fulfilled. And if it seems slow, do not despair. You parents who have small kids, don't despair. I know it's hard. I know sometimes you feel like you're going to lose your mind and this season of parenting is never going to end. And sometimes you even feel like a prisoner and a hostage in your own home. I get it. I remember we babysat for my nephew last weekend and he was wonderful. But it took an hour to put him to bed. Oh my goodness. And my mind went back to all those sleepless nights and all those things that you do as a parent of small children. And there are moments where you feel like you're in utter despair. If you know what I'm talking about, raise your hand. Amen. But when I look at my daughter who's going to graduate from high school next year and a son who's about to go into high school, and I think back on those times, I don't think about those sleepless nights. Maybe I blocked all that stuff out. I don't know. Maybe my mind won't let me remember those things. But all I remember are those wonderful moments, cuddling with my son or my daughter. I remember those wonderful first experiences. I don't remember all those times of desperation. It says, if it seems slow, do not despair. For these things that you want, they're going to surely come to pass. We just have to be patient. And I love what this says. They will not be overdue a single day in your life. You keep praying. You keep preparing the ground. You keep planting seed. You keep being consistent. And those seeds that you're planting, those good seeds that you're planting in those relationships, in the right time, the Lord's going to reap an incredible harvest for you. I believe that with all my heart.